That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. The Premier League graced us with midweek action, and boy, oh boy, did it deliver. Manchester City beat down Burnley 4-1. Chelsea got a bounce-back 2-1 win over Aston Villa. Leicester continued their winning run with a 2-0 win over Watford. Manchester United beat Tottenham in and Jose Mourinho's return to Old Trafford. Liverpool just absolutely waxed Everton in the Merseyside Derby 5-2, and Arsenal fell today to Brighton as the banter continues for the Arsenal fans. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. We got Alex Moss in here, an OG podcast day. No, this is not Javier avoiding the music. This is just scheduling. I promise. He wants to be here. I Actually, I can't confirm or deny if he really does want to be here, but this was... This was a scheduling issue. I, I, you know, we know I miss a lot of these these uh, midweek pods. So, um, I mean, we usually do just, Wednesdays anyway. So, yeah, it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh, but let's get right into it. Are we not? I, I like I said on the on the beginning. Not surprised. Manchester City bounced back and gets a nice little victory over over Burnley. I will say, from what I saw the game, I thought Nick Pope played really well. I was actually watching the Bournemouth Crystal Palace game at the same time as this because I took the over two and a half goals in that, which did not hit, uh, and Mavi Saka got sent off. And like the <laughs> yeah, in the seventeenth minute, there was a red card, and there weren't three goals in that game. What the fuck? But uh, Manchester City just back to playing great football, which I- I'm. I'm not surprised about. We know that they have all of the ability and all the players in the world. Gabriel Jesus getting getting hot, scores another couple goals. The uh, I mean, <laughs> the the Rodri. I mean, all of the finishes were insane. Um, but the Rodri finish, like he's had two of those now. They're just like hitting hope from outside the box. That I don't know. I didn't really see that at Atletico. But I mean, that's scary that he's added that. If you can stay healthy. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not fun for the rest of us. I'll say that. But no, I mean, he's a great midfielder. Uh, I thought he was going to be a great addition to their their midfield, and he's proven that right now. They just, you know, they they need to shore up the back line, and let's see how they rotate again in the uh, as they they head into a Manchester derby coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. Alex, how do you feel about the two one win over Villa for Chelsea? I, I mean, it, it kind of went how I. Kind of not to toot my own horn here, how I kind of predicted <laughs> when I said like we for that that West Ham game. Uh, it, it felt maybe not necessary to rotate, but Frank took the chance on rotation and trusting players like Giroud and, and Pedro in a a big London derby at home in a Premier League game, knowing that the fixtures are heating up. But now that you know it returns to Conte in midfield and uh, Tammy Abraham came back after his hip injury, scored and got the assist to set up Mount for his uh, for the winner. And uh, I'll be the first to say it. And Willian returning on the right wing instead of Pedro. It was it was a really good team performance that probably should have ended with like three or four, maybe even five, if the finishing's a little bit better. But Tom Heaton did uh, Tom Heaton things, you know, as you as you do. He just he had a couple saves that like you go check out his save up from Williams free kick. Just really, everyone knows where it's going. It's going top right corner, and Heaton is still like tasked with having to get all the way across, and he's like five eleven or five ten. He's a pretty short 
uh, height for a keeper and just gets up there and just forces it onto the post and out. And you're just like, God damn it. They're like, got the points, but plenty of times this season where it should have been more at home against lesser opposition. Oh, oh, I can, uh, Liverpool have write the book on that. This was like the first time all year that we really just went balls to the wall and actually finished all of our goals. But we'll first talk time about since that Norwich, at least. I Seriously, I've been waiting for these types. Like, like I tweeted, we are having fun. We are playing a rotated side, and we are having fun right now. Leicester, not surprisingly, take down Watford. I actually read a, a report today that Watford interviewed Nigel Pearson, the former Leicester manager, today. Tasty. To take, yeah. Yeah, he's probably not he interested one, now. He probably just wanted to come back for that Leicester game and just get his revenge. One hundred percent. Well, I mean, they probably play Leicester. They still play Leicester again. And I mean, to be fair, they'll probably have a better chance at Vicarage Road. Than yeah, but knowing Watford, he'll be out of the job before that happens. Also, <laughs> they'll be on fair, the manager number very, four or five by then. <laughs> Jamie Vardy's uh, Jamie Vardy's scoring sheet, uh, streak continues. James Madison again scoring. Just. They keep they keep on doing I mean, it. I, th- I think people thought back. it was going to be worse because they Watford just fired their second manager of the season and obviously sit bottom. I thought it was going to be worse. People thought it would be I took worse. The over. But you know, I don't think Leicester are in the business of um, trying to like dick measure with Liverpool and Manchester City at the moment. I think they're just in the business of keeping this run going and keeping Jamie Vardy happy and keeping his goal scoring run alive and kicking. And it, and it is it, they deserve to win. There, it was it was not a pushover game, but. They definitely deserve to win. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm really fascinated to see how Brendan Rodgers guides Leicester through the busy December and January periods because the biggest thing for them is they don't have European competition. Uh, so that is a huge asset. I think they're out of the League Cup, too. Uh, no, they're still in the League Cup. Okay, they're still in the League that, Cup. The next okay. round of that will be in the next two weeks, I think. Yeah, because it's the day before Liverpool play in the uh, Club World Cup. I think it's in two. It's not this midweek, but it's the following right. midweek. Because next week, next midweek is the last Champions League match day right. for a group stage, and then we have, and then the, there's League Cup, and then the next day Liverpool have to play in the Club World Cup. Super stoked! Actually, I'm kind of excited to, to have back to back days of Liverpool games. That's going to be pretty nice. I'm, I'm that I am excited for the the, the all the other bullshit. Not so much. Manchester United win over Tottenham. This did not go how I expected. I expected either a draw or a Tottenham result. I really expected to see Tottenham just roll over them in the midfield. And Tottenham just... Uh, I watched a good amount of this game. Manchester United really came to play against their former manager. They would, I wouldn't really they? Will, <laughs> yeah. I really think, too, another thing that boosted them a lot was... And and we talk, we've talked about this on the pod repeatedly. Having Scott McTominay back in midfield definitely helped give them more stability, which I did not realize... Like I respect Scott McTominay a lot. I did not expect that kind of a performance out of Manchester United upon his return. So maybe he is a more you know a player I need to give a little bit more shine to. But Marcus Rashford's on heck of, uh, on an incredible form right now. Scores both goals. The first one in the sixth minute. Um, I will. I'm not gonna lie. Gazaniga probably should have saved that. I don't know if you've seen the replays of yeah, that. Yeah, it's like um, a half goal and a and a penalty. Yeah. But I'll I'll, yeah. I'll give him credit because he's Rashford's deservedly gotten a reputation of showing up in these big games, especially at home. Some of my earliest memories of him are him scoring in like the Europa League in his debut and then the, the following weekend scoring against Arsenal when United put out like a all-kids side in the Premier League against them and were out of like top four consideration. And Rashford scored in that too when he was 17 or 18. He's just He's always been that kind of player, shows up for the big occasion. Um, and I mean, when he's been healthy, which has, which to be fair to him has been most of the season, but there's been a little bit of a spell of injuries for him and more so Anthony Martial this season that have hampered them. 
But when he has been healthy, he, you've seen for the most part, I think he's at least played better and uh, put up a better goal contributions tally against like the worst sides. And that's obviously how he takes the next step to being, you know, the, the, the true talisman at United. Because of all of their star players that they have or players you could consider possible stars for them, he's the only one that you uh, could realistically say is fully uh, engaged and committed to what's going on at Manchester United because he is that youth player. You know, if Martial has a breakout season and Barcelona or PSG or someone come calling for him, you wouldn't be as trusting that he's going to stick around as he would be with uh, Rashford if he ends this season with something like 25 goals, which he's never gotten anywhere close to in the past. But he's well on his way now. He's doing well. Yeah, I've said for years on this podcast that I'm very afraid of him as he grows up at Manchester United because I think I see so much potential there. And uh, he scares me, as as I've said before. Deli Alley continuing his fine form. He gets on the score sheet. What a goal! And, and Tottenham, yeah, Tottenham kind of came out afterward and said like, we didn't bring enough energy to this match, which kind of surprises me based on the form that they had been in and and the nice little run that they were on. But we'll see how they rally from this and see how Mourinho turns them around. They still have, I mean, they're like six or seven points out of the top six. So like the the convert, like they're not officially dead yet, but they need to start taking some. They need to they need to win the games that they need to. And this was a game that they really needed to draw at a yeah. minimum. I would say, yeah, it's the kind of game that like Mourinho used to specialize in, just going somewhere, not really playing well, still getting a draw. And not necessarily having uh, neutrals think that his team is particularly like poised well or like playing well, but at the same time it keeps them alive and keeps their rivals from getting uh, too far out of reach. But you know they lose this one, and you know like you said, they're still not dead. There's still time to come back. But it was like the first real, real test, and they they pretty much failed it. I would they they definitely failed it. I mean the the table's going to be all over the place because. He, Look, while United won this one, they do still have to play Manchester City this weekend. Spurs dropped down to eighth with this, but they're still three points. They're three points behind Wolves right now for that fifth place spot, and they're nine points behind Chelsea right now. Uh, so I don't know if anybody's really catching the current the top four. But for Tottenham to to they, if they're going to do a run, they need to get moving on it soon, and they can't keep dropping points to these teams that are fighting for the same spots that they are. Like, losing to United like that is not... It's not good for a long-term future for them. Let's jump over to the Merseyside Derby. Liverpool 5, Everton 2. Divac Origi and Shakiri, uh, Adam Alana all brought in on... Uh, Klopp rotated. He rotated pretty heavily, dropping Sadio Mane, dropping Roberto... For, or, no, dropped Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino. Fabinho obviously suspended. They also dropped... Fabinho's injured, uh, right? Jordan Henderson. Uh, Fabinho's injured. Yes, the suspension's over. It's now it's just the injury, and Allison obviously on the bench, uh, or Allison unavailable due to the red card, um, and Liverpool were off to the races the second this game started. Divac Origi in the sixth minute off of just a beautiful ball from from Mane. Shakiri scored a nice goal. They Everton pulling back from Michael Keane. Origi scored, I think maybe the best Liverpool goal of the season because he caught it on like a, a volley and in motion and just barreled it into the back of the net. Another assist for Mane. Mane makes it 4-1 shortly there, right before halftime, and Richarlison pulls one back. So six goals in the first half, and then a Wijnaldum goal in the 90th. And honestly, Liverpool could have put in a couple more. Everton had their chances. I took Liverpool result in both to score in this one. I'm going to be taking that pretty much continuously until should take until it, they should take the over on the goals. Whatever. I should have. I should have. Whatever the reasonable over I, was, it, I'm sure it hit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely hit. I definitely could have done that, but I didn't even think about that. I was expecting like a 2-1 game where Liverpool kind of a similar game against the, the, they did against Brighton where I didn't expect it to be this open. And the big news that comes after this is uh, Marco Silva getting sacked. He has four wins, two draws, and nine losses in the league this season and a very talented Everton side that's just not performing to the level that they need to. Uh, Liverpool like I said, played a rotated swat aside, and it did not look like it. This was really the this was the best beatdown that Liverpool have had of a team outside of the Champions League since the opening day of the season. I mean, we we were just playing with yeah. Plus yeah that adds a little great. bit extra sauce to it. It was it was awesome. Like yeah, four like, two at halftime. When was that? Four two at halftime was amazing. I knew my bet was gonna hit, and Jay Z was back on Spotify. I was having a day yesterday. It was fucking awesome. Like, woke up, Jay-Z's back on Spotify, bumping Jay, watching Liverpool just wax Everton. Doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, and also to see Shakiri out there playing well, to see Origi out there playing well, that's so huge when we've got, you know, the midweek game coming up next week against Red Bull Salzburg, which is huge because Salzburg came back against us at, at Anfield. I think that's going to be a tough environment to go deal with in the midweek. They've got uh, Spurs coming up in a couple weeks. You've got a ton of games. This was just this was a reminder that like, hey, like fine, we might not have all the glitz and glam and the high profile name signings as Manchester City, but we still have a damn good squad and we still have a damn good, you know, guys coming off the bench. Like Jared and Shakiri looked like he should be starting for another Premier League team. Divock Origi looked like he should be starting for another Premier League team and he's not because of the other names in front of him. So this was exciting, and, and I thought Adam Lallana did fine in midfield too. So the the midfield three of Milner, Lallana, and and Georgina Wijnaldum absolutely handled Everton perfectly. That's not the midfield that I want out there for most games, but it worked this week. So that's really all that matters. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you guys this would have led to you guys dropping points or anything, but that non penalty call on Van Dyke that they don't even take a look at with VAR. No, they took a look at it. Yeah. Well, how do you come to the conclusion that that's not a like that? Just that worries me more than them not looking at it. If they didn't look at it, then I, I don't know. That that's still bad. But looking at that and seeing Van Dyke get none of the ball, <laughs> you're just kind of like, uh, I I don't see this one. And I'm not saying that would. I mean, I think it was two one at that point. It would have gotten them back to two two. Mm-hmm. It's a game. It's game on then. But. As soon as the game became like wide open, you knew Everton were in trouble because Everton aren't outscoring yeah. Liverpool at home, let alone at Anfield. They needed to make it a really tight game like they did managed to at Leicester and s- still conceded like right at the very end there. They needed to have that same kind of performance but just hope that the luck went their way. Uh, and obviously it went nothing like that. They were down 2-0 within 16 minutes to Liverpool's B team. So, yeah. Uh, Marco Silva deservedly sacked, but I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm a little salty that you guys had to put the nail on the coffin right before we go to Goodison Park and they get a predictably frustrating defensive performance out of whoever their caretaker manager is because you know that's coming. I think it's Duncan Stewart, Duncan Ferguson. I want to say. Duncan Big Ferguson, dunk. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I mean, I'm not going to say that there was the best refereed game, but there were also a couple questionable things that I like noticed on Everton in particular. Like there were a bunch of corners where just Van Dyke was just getting mugged off entirely and like not re- like Everton defenders just arms all over him and him not being able to get up for corners. Oh, so, by like, the way, Andy Robertson, heel. He's officially a heel. You heard it here first. Andy Robertson is doing things to Tom Davis that are illegal in MMA. Blows to the back of the head. You get disqualified and get an automatic loss for a blow to the back of the head in a fight combat sport. And he's just completely like 
preemptively he's thought of it completely you see him just zero in and just go down with his elbow into tom davis's like the back of his head i would have been completely like understanding if davis had just gotten up and just clocked him and just decked him and been sent off for it i would have been like that's an appropriate move that man just assaulted you and you could sue him if it wasn't on a football pitch so you know and of course i see i I love andy robertson he's been a pillar of my fantasy team forever I think he's the best left back in the world right now and has been for the last two years. That was a move, and I will say that word, and I will not bleep it out later when I edit this. Good. Good. <laughs> I see your Andy Robertson, and I raise you three years of Diego Costa at Chelsea. Yeah, okay. But, you know, Diego Costa, it was never any sort of doubt about that. He was a before he came. He was a during, and he's been a ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but Andy Robertson is nice guy Scottish and Andy Robertson looks at him like afterwards looks at Tom Davis like what that was nothing you pussy like don't don't get mad about that when like come on man you that was a dick move and you're you're playing it my off second, like you're not in the wrong here my second favorite moment of Liverpool versus Barcelona in uh, the second game at Anfield was when Andy Robertson ruffled Messi's hair when he was sit- sitting on the ground See, that's after, banter like, that's hilarious <laughs> That's yeah. You're yeah. not risking I, I, a head I, I, injury and a brain injury or a neck injury when you're doing that. <laughs> Touche. Uh, it's too bad that Javier's not here to just like actually. All right, we're gonna talk about Arsenal briefly, but like you should just edit in the SpongeBob swear word sounds because I think that's really all Javier would have to say in this game. I, I think that's like, been done I, before. I, I'll do that for my uh, for my see you next Tuesday rant just then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. They lose, they lose at home to, to Brighton. I thought about taking Brighton straight up in this game. I really should have because the odds he would have gotten would have been ridiculous. But they lose 2-1 to Brighton. They look even worse somehow under Freddie Lumberg. A lot of people are saying that Mesut Ozil starting again. Joe Willick starting again. This is Xhaka starting again. Uh, the, the, I mean, as soon as the lineups came out, I was texting with Javier about it. And I said, you guys are doomed. You're starting a bunch of the players that Javier just complained about the other day and said like, okay, well, he's not going to do that next time because they obviously played terribly against Norwich. He's going to have to rotate. And they, he keeps on with uh, Kolasinac at left back. David Luiz uh, stayed in the lineup at center back. Uh, Socrates came in uh, for Mustafi, which is like you'd think would be a better move, but he's just been, he's just been awful uh, this season in particular. Uh, the Jaka midfield uh, he persisted with, with I think Torreira, uh, Willick, and, and Ozil. So Guendouzi, probably one of their better performance performers overall this season, didn't uh, didn't start. And uh, I mean, I, I again didn't get to watch all of this game, but from the Arsenal fans I've talked to, it just seemed like more of the same. No, no bite, no sort of uh, like fight. I'm not trying to write a Dr. Seuss book here, but. Um, <laughs> They were just they were they were just terrible from the start, and they were deserved losers. And I, I think they even managed to go ahead and uh, went up two one in the second half, and it was chalked off by VAR when David Luiz scored. Uh, but it just leaves the door open for Brighton to just take advantage of another defensive lapse from Arsenal. If you if you look at like specific details of what every team in the league is bad at defending or bad at doing in any sort of phase of play. 
you can sort of like use a very, very like large array of descriptors for what Arsenal are bad at. They don't like their defenders, not even their midfielders, their defenders don't track as many runs, as many dangerous runs as they should. They allow far too easy of supply into the box, like you saw for Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy should never be out on the wing and allowed to cross a ball in 1v1 versus your right back. And Hector Bellerin just lets him cut onto his preferred right foot and just curl a ball in like a perfect angle from the from the left wing into Malpai. That can move you on into like another uh, criticism of Arsenal's defense is that you've got David Luiz and Socrates, two players who are probably known for being aggressive in the air and able to read the ball in the air and, and go win it. You're having a like a 5'10", 5'9", striker in Malpai go up and track that ball better and get a glancing header to get the winner in that game. It's it's just none of it's good enough. Like it's it's mainly the defensive stuff. But now now that the goals are dried up, it's just led to these results just becoming worse and worse. And they're they're now nine games in the league in a row without a win. They're five points off the off the relegation places. I know, I know they're in tenth, but they they're only on nineteen points. And I think Everton are on fifteen or fourteen or something. So it's it's looking really rough for them. And we're not hearing any sort of substantial rumors about a replacement. You know. The, the games are only coming uh, more more quickly now. This, it's not going to slow down at, at any point when you're when you get into December. So they're in a good bit of trouble here. Where like it's not going to be like relegation, but they're in like they're kind of in the same kind of uh, path that Chelsea were on the year after uh, we won the title with Mourinho, and we we had finished that season in tenth place, but we were down near the relegation spots. Going into like November, December, and it was around early December that Mourinho got fired with the team sitting closer to relegation than they were to top four. So Arsenal have made that move. They need to make one more move, obviously, for the manager because it's clearly not Freddie Lundberg. You ready for this run that they're on? Oh. What? West Ham? Hold on. Standard let me, Liege. Let me, let me unzip. <laughs> West Ham, Standard Liege, Manchester City, Everton, Bournemouth, Chelsea. Yes, and Chelsea is like you, that, that. Sounds like it's far off. The Chelsea game is like right at the turn of the year. I think it's the either the it's the, the last game 29th. of twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's the last game of twenty nineteen for both those teams. Oh, and then Manchester United on on the on January. 1st. Oh yes. Oh man, this is going to be glorious. Arsenal get relegated. Yeah. What's what are the odds on that? We got to look that Javier's up. Javier's going to quit the podcast. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. Oh, I need to go easy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's never. Like, I feel like he's never this cruel to me when uh, Chelsea are down on their luck. Yeah, he's he's he might quit the podcast. That might that might be like a real thing. Send in your applications to ghostgoldpod at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get ready for the weekend. We got Everton taking on Chelsea. As we mentioned earlier, Ever, uh, Everton sack Marco Silva. I don't think you were going to struggle with that. I don't think... Look, you have a better team than them right now. Yeah, I don't I doubt don't, that. I don't doubt that at all. But we've got a Champions League game that we have to win on Tuesday night uh, home against Lille to, to qualify. And you, like, you'd think that's like probably one of the easier games in the group, but we've not been that great at home overall this season. Uh, and then that new manager bump, you know, we've seen it not work necessarily this year for Watford and Arsenal, but obviously in years past. Well, it worked for Tottenham. Yeah. Okay. Slightly. Yeah. That's true. We can we, we we can consider Tottenham, but you know, um, they also had a far easier fixture than Everton are having hosting Chelsea when uh, Tottenham's first game was away at West Ham. So, 
we've seen it all obviously also work, work very well in season pa- seasons past for teams where it just sort of like breathes a new sort of urgency into the players and they understand that they have a new a completely new manager to win over and whoever the new new manager is that's made made permanent whoever Everton decide that's going to be is going to be watching this game and forming opinions on which t- players he's going to include in his team so it adds a sort of natural uh, bump to the to the I guess the performance levels of all the players and they've got plenty of players that have done well against us in the past. Richarlison has made a pretty big habit of scoring against Chelsea, especially at home. Can't think of too many outside of that. But it's uh, it's it's a game that it, it, I'm, I'm not going to go and say Chelsea are going to continue to do that like four or five goal thrashing thing that we've done at a lot of mid-table and lower clubs in the Premier League this season. But I, I think it's one that probably ends like 2-1, maybe 3-1, but like a tight 3-1 Chelsea. It's it, it's going to be high scoring, though, I feel like. I, like Everton, they need points. They're down in the relegation zone. They're on. They're in 18th. <laughs> like, they, you hate to see that, yeah, you, you, you really, you really, really, really hate you to see You can't be that. taking games off and, and going and like waiting for this new permanent manager to come along, whether it's like David Moyes or whoever. They, they need to get something, whether it's a draw or like I'm sure they'll be thinking they can win it despite their current form. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough one, um, but I, I'm guessing I'm guessing we're going to be okay. The over for that game, over three and a half goals is at plus one sixty eight. Just just throwing that out there. I just think if we get in a position where it's like two nil, I think the pace will lighten off and we, we will like start mm-hmm. to we'll try to manage the game a bit more. That's the next like step in the development is not getting in these like high scoring uh, contests with teams and playing too open, trying to get a lead manage the game with possession a little bit more and ease, not, not ease off the gas, but uh, don't try to be so gung-ho and open yourselves up to a counterattack. Just keep the ball in possession a bit more, especially with this midweek game coming up on Tuesday night. Yeah. I don't like betting the 7 a.m. games because I know that there's no chance that I'm going to wake up for them. So it's like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I already know for a fact that my buddies and I are, are pre-gaming hard and going out on Friday. So, like, there's no shot. Come on, get back out. around 1 a.m., bed in by 2. No. <laughs> Bro, the bars are open till 4 a.m. Yeah, here. New York, I, like, New had York to tell is my, a completely different, like, schedule. I had to tell else. my buddy today. I, had to, I, was, I saw one of my buddies who's going out with me on Friday today. I literally had to tell him, look, like, we can stay out late on Friday, but, like, we cannot close the bar. Like, I, we need to leave by 3 a.m. Right. Like, like, that's the, like, 3 a.m., it's time to call it. Guys, if it, like, gets okay, to, right. if it gets to 3 a.m., then it's past my bedtime. I've got to get home. <laughs> I've, I've got soccer in the morning. Like, let's be real. Uh, speaking of soccer in the morning, the game I'll be watching is Bournemouth hosting Liverpool. Uh, no Harry Wilson in this one, so don't have to worry about him scoring. It's half some, of Bournemouth's uh, goals. You'll be fine. I know. Seriously. Uh, I am going to take the Liverpool result in both the score because we have no Fabinho and we've been conceding goals pretty much every game and winning pretty much every game. Um, not really worried about Bournemouth. I, I think that they're a good side, but I don't think they're creating enough, and I think Liverpool will do just fine. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Divac Origi retain his his place as we know Mohamed Salah is coming off that ankle injury that that's still kind of lingering post the that it was from the Leicester game like a, almost over a month ago. So I wouldn't be shocked to don't see that, Mohamed Salah rested again. Keeping him in my fantasy team. I'm like, everyone else is jumping ship, and I'm sitting there like, I believe in Mo. I would jump. He scored a hat trick against Bournemouth ship. last year. He can do two this time. Did he get a hat trick or did he get a double? I can't remember. He's played well. I don't remember. It's Sadio Mane, though, is the guy who's in form for Liverpool right yeah, now. Yeah, but he they all trade off. Game. Like, when they all play, like, Mane was the one who dominated Everton because he was the only one of that front three who played. He. 
also always owns Everton. Like he scored the winner against them. His like first year. Fair, so he's always Salah. Played. Did Salah win like the Puskas Award with a goal against Everton that everyone said shouldn't have been the Puskas Award winner? You might be right. You might be right. Uh, in the game last year, or the last game we played Bournemouth, we won three 0 Mo did not have a hat trick. Two. He had two then because uh, he. I remember captaining him that week and going against my uh, my usual thing of only captaining Salah at home. Uh, he did. He did have two. He did have two the last time that we played at Bournemouth when we beat them four nothing. Salah uh, on the twenty fifth, forty eighth, an own goal from Cook, and oh no, he had a hat trick. He had a hat trick. Yeah. So that was the last time that we played them. Klopp, you better play Salah. Bournemouth. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think Liverpool will win regardless. I, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if you know a couple people retain their side. I do think Henderson comes back into the midfield, and you see why now. I think you see Ox. Wijnaldum and Henderson, which is a pretty attacking midfield against Bournemouth, which should also maybe leave us open a little bit. Uh, Dayon Lovren had an insane ball. For, yeah, the for, assist for that was the, that was absurd. nice. I'll give him it that. Was, it was very nice. Virgil Van Dyke esque. Uh, so yeah, we're all taking Liverpool. Tottenham take on Burnley at ten a.m. I don't know what to think about this. Burnley have been on a tough little run. They've lost a couple games. They lost at home over the weekend. And well, then they, they had a couple lost. of three three nils in a row. And then I then yeah. who they lose to over the weekend? They lost to Crystal Palace because I bet right. them. Yeah, and then they they lost to Manchester City because Manchester City are good. I and can confirm. The question is, yes, I I also can confirm Manchester City. But is can good. we confirm uh, if Tottenham's good? That I cannot confirm. And this is, we talked about it earlier. This is a game that Tottenham need to win. Can Mourinho kind of like batch it down, bat, you know, buckle down the hatches a little bit and, and make this a nervy 2-1 and get the result here? I don't trust Gazaniga at, in goal for Tottenham at all. And I feel like Burnley, you know, might not be the team that they used to be on the set pieces, but they still could score off. I mean, they they still lead the league in set piece goals by a substantial margin. So this season, at least um, the, I mean, the, the, the dynamic I'm looking for is um, how this Mourinho team does without the ball. Or, sorry, with the ball. <laughs> don't know why I said without the ball. Um, you know, you know Burnley are going to go there. They're going to play defensively and, like you said, try to hit on uh, set pieces, which we've now seen a, a good few uh, in all competitions, including the Champions League, that Tottenham have just, like, switched off on. And, you know, some of those games have been when they've, they've had the lead, like at the end of the West Ham game. And they just sort of switched off for a second. And some of them have been to go down one or two nil, like they did for the second goal against Olympiacos. There, uh, th- there's still some pretty significant defensive problems at the back for Tottenham that Mourinho is, I'm guessing, going to need a, a, a bit more time to sort out and a bit more rotation to figure out which one, which players he's uh, favor favoring favoring there in the back line. Um, but you know. Burnley only need like two or three chances off set pieces, and you know they're they're efficient with them. That you can give them two or three, and they'll they'll score two or three of them, or just two, and all of a sudden you're in a hole. And uh, this is an interesting progression uh, for uh, for Tottenham and for Mourinho, where you know the West Ham game, Pellegrini wants his team to try and get on the ball and have it be an open game and be a bit more attacking. Though when they're not playing well, they do try a bit more to be a bit uh, more solid at the back. Olympiacos was an open game. United, pretty open game, but they, they just got dominated uh, in, in possession, which is a little surprising for this Manchester United team uh, of late. Uh, but you know, this is the first like true game where they're playing against someone that's saying, "Listen, have the ball. We don't, we don't want it. And when we do get it, we're going to 
break quickly and we're going to try and win fouls and see if we can take advantage of some mistakes, which at this point you just kind of have to chalk up one or two pretty big defensive mistakes from Tottenham. And it's all about whether they can score three or four at the end. And that's that's a whole lot of pressure on uh, on, on all the players not named Deli Alley right now because he seems to be the main one who's taken this opportunity, uh, like fully taking taking a big grasp of this opportunity and is looking like the old Deli Alley. I didn't get to mention, but that goal he scored against Manchester United looked like first year Deli Alley at, at uh, Tottenham. Remember when he was like 19 and he came in from MK Dons and he was just scoring like audacious goals where he flipped that one over someone's head against Palace mm-hmm. and then finished first time from mm-hmm. outside the box. Like just, he was just yeah, trying stuff. Me. And it was just like, I mean, it was scary because I'm a Chelsea fan and I don't like seeing Tottenham and uh, young Tottenham players do well. But it was also just like as a football fan, you thought, oh, this guy is just enjoying what he's doing and just having fun out there. And that seems to be Ali now. Just can Harry Kane get a little bit of that juice and can uh, Son uh, can continue to improve his performances? I don't know. I, I looked at this for uh, for a, like a, a bet of the week, maybe like a score draw or something, like a 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. I can see it. Yeah, that's an option. I, I still think Tottenham win 2-1. Uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, the Derby, 12-30 at the, em- at the Etihad. At the Emirates would be interesting. <laughs> at the Emirates would be, yeah, it would be a lot. Uh, honestly, probably more entertaining the game that's played at, well, there's no game played at the Emirates this week, but and you, you know what I mean. I give Manchester United a 5% chance of winning this game and a 20% chance of getting the Don't you think five's a little low? No. No, I feel. I feel I like if. Okay, say what you want about say what you, say what you want about wolves. Wolves are probably playing better than Manchester United right now. Like, have gotten themselves like back into form. Too. Yeah, they, on paper they might look a little bit better when they're both at full strength. Uh, but you know, Wolves and Manchester United stylistically, that's that's the same. It's the same game plan. You know, United aren't. I don't think United will be operating out of that five at the back that Wolves like. But it's going to be the same basic principles if we're going to try to expose uh, that backline of Manchester City fully through the pace of Daniel James and, and Marcus Rashford. And what I just said about Rashford being a big game player, that de- very much applies here. And by no means would I ever predict Manchester United win or draw. But I, I think if you can see City have an off day against Wolves at home and Wolves just nick two goals, like purely off like a, a 2v1 or a 2v2 counterattack through Triore. Rashford can do that and some more. Rashford, I think Rashford at this point is proving he's a little bit better at those types of goals and those type creating those types of opportunities than Adama Traore is. So I don't know. Five percent seems a little disrespectful. I know. I get it. You hate United. I get it. Look, they beat Manchester United at Old Tra- at the Etihad last year, three one. I believe Mourinho was still there at the yeah, time. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. And I kind of expect another game similar to that. I, I think. Even with Manchester City's injuries, I still think they're going to put out a team that's going to overall fresh, like be difficult for United to get on the ball and really do anything. McTominay's back. Maybe that's how they, they nick a goal and they get something on the, on a counterattack. But Manchester City is fighting for points right now. I mean, they're 11 points behind Liverpool. They're three points behind Leicester City. They cannot afford to drop any more points anymore. Yeah, this yeah is, they really can't. They, they, they actually have to win every single game. I mean... Obviously, ideally, it's unrealistic kind of to say this for the rest of the season. But if you're just looking at this December period, um, I don't have their fixtures in front of me right now. But, you know, there's a few tough ones, like, quote, tough ones, like this United home game and the Arsenal away game you mentioned. 
They play Leicester too. So they have here. They, here it is. Yeah. I have it in front of me. They have United this weekend. They have Zagreb in the midweek, but that doesn't Zagreb. matter because they're already clinched. Arsenal at home on the fifteenth. Is it at home? Oxford United. I thought, oh no, it's Arsenal yeah. away. Arsenal away, but that doesn't matter because they'll still beat Arsenal away. Oxford United in the uh, League Cup. Leicester on the twenty-first. Wolves on the away at Wolves on the twenty-seventh. Uh, Sheffield at home on the 29th and Everton on the 1st. Yeah, I mean, those games, there's there's no cupcakes there. I mean, say what you, like, banter banter on about uh, Arsenal and I guess I mean, Everton. they coaching by then. I guess Everton, you, you, can, mm-hmm. you can go on about and say how they're playing terribly, but it, it, that's how that's how crazy football is in the, in the Premier, Premier League is that, like, two weeks from now, you know, opinions of certain teams and how they're playing can completely change. So it... If they go through that entire period winning every single game, which they're perfectly capable of doing, and frankly they need to do now, especially with Liverpool going away for two weeks or ten days, and uh, and they're getting a game in hand, obviously, except the Premier League play will resume. But City and both cities, Leicester and Manchester City, will have the opportunity to cut into that lead uh, a little bit, put some pressure on, and then Liverpool's first game back in the Premier League is at Leicester City, so. You know, it's not over, and I'm sure Liverpool are thinking the same thing. But Manchester City, 100%, need to have like a dominant performance this weekend against uh, United. And I think I mentioned it slightly uh, when that Aguero injury first happened. But I actually think like the next level of development for Manchester City is like fully buying in and handing over the keys to the kingdom to Gabriel Jesus, and just sort of saying, I mean, not 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 phasing Aguero out completely. He's obviously a great goal scorer, but. It has to be said. And it has to be said. He doesn't offer the same sort of energy and and work rate up top without the ball that uh, that Gabriel Jesus does. And Jesus is young and hungry and desperate to get into that side and make that position his own. He'll do he'll do whatever you want, an, Pep. And he has basically like eighty five percent as good a finishing ability as Aguero does. Go look at those two and goals he needs against to do Burnley. That, yeah, yeah. And he needs to do it to get into the Brazil team to to beat out for me. Sure. So like it. This isn't the only team that he's fighting to get. You know minutes in on it's also brazil so yeah i i agree with you i'm taking manchester city result both the score uh at plus 155 this is my bet of the week but I, I'll, I'll i'll tease it the the score draw plus 550 it's just tasty i like it 2-2 two, two. i feel like a 2-2 two, two is like could happen but you know for all the reasons a great i just result for la i mean huge result and i think it needs to be mentioned that they haven't lost a game in the league this season to uh any of the the historical or the of last year's top six, top six. You know, mm-hmm. those teams are a bit all over the place now, but they're the only team to take points off of Liverpool. I was at home, uh, destroyed Chelsea, drew Arsenal at home. Doesn't look as good now. Beat Tottenham just the other day. Uh, yeah, I mean, Manchester City is away is obviously made, probably the toughest of those next to Liverpool away when that eventually happens. So it's uh, it's a it's a threat to that record, but we'll see if they can keep it going. The result here would give them a lot of. Are you are you rooting for a Manchester United win? No, come on, you have to. You know, all he's not going to do no. anything. So just like, no, you got to take you got to take the uh, you got to take the lesser evil. I know, I know. Pro- you're probably right, but I mean, I, I you know, I, I do things that are un- unhealthy for me all the time emotionally. Let's let's you know, let's not let's not. Kid ourselves. Aston Villa takes on Leicester City Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I kind of think Leicester's going to keep getting away with it, but I do kind of like. I haven't looked at the odds, but I like that the result Villa, the score. But Villa I also good, shouldn't be. Villa are good. Leicester have conceded only nine goals in like fourteen games this year. 
Ooh. And they sold and yeah. they sold Harry Maguire for 85 million pounds. Yeah. I I mean I could go on a whole more like further rant about Brendan Rodgers and how he sort of like upped his game as a manager uh, since since leaving or since coming back um, and since those Liverpool days. The, the team just seems the, the performances are just a lot more mature. Like we've talked about how 2-0 is just like the Leicester result of choice this season. Mhm. It has, hasn't really come back to bite them yet this season. They've even had a couple thrashings of teams. Uh, it, it just seems a lot more like composed and the kind of uh, step in the right direction or development that I just talked about Chelsea needing to take, where they need to just sort of get get up on these teams uh, and then just sort of like exert their will through possession and frustrating teams into opening themselves up to coming out and try and get the ball from them. And then you can go and try and get three or four or five. Uh, but yeah, it's it's... It's very impressive, but what I just saw from Villa the other day, I had to say, or I have to think to myself, and it's other games too, I, I was completely wrong about them. I didn't think that some of their, uh, their, their their midfield signings and the players that were there from last season, like Hurahan and, uh, and McGinn, would make like this big of a step this quickly in the Premier League. Where like McGinn was good, and you'd say like he has a chance to be good in the Premier League, but he's taken a whole other step where... You know the goals that he was getting in the championship. He's still getting those in the Premier League, and he's still all action and and, and full of energy. And then Douglas Luiz and marvelous Nakamba and some of these other players they've added. Their midfield. I've mentioned it before and gushed about them before, but it it's up there with a lot of the teams in the top half of the table, and, and for sure separates them from the from the pack at the bottom. So uh, the, the only thing left for them is to just try and get a few more consistent goals out of Wesley up top. He's had a few early, but has kind of struggled since. So he's he's a big X factor for them. Yeah, I, this is going to be interesting. I, I will say, um, interesting odds that I don't know if I'll take or not. But both teams to score, you can get it at no at plus one thirty four. So if you really do think Leicester is going to pitch another shutout, you take that right there, and maybe you just take Leicester at minus one twenty and, and so and a nil nil. Try to yeah, no. It's it's will both teams score yes or no and knows at plus one thirty. Oh, okay. So yeah, the two nil. So yeah, and West Ham taking on Arsenal Monday at three o'clock. Yeah, Javier's not here and he's busy with work, but I'm just gonna, you know, if he's if he's gonna have to watch his team play like crap every week and go nine games in the league without winning, uh, then you know he's gonna get some credit out of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in the West Ham Arsenal score draw at plus three twenty. Um, it's kind of hard to predict with this Arsenal team, and evidently it's almost as hard to predict what's going to happen with this West Ham team after they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. They come out and just look terrible against Wolves and lose 2-0 in midweek. So I think Arsenal's terrible is a little bit easier to rely on than West Ham's terrible at the minute. So um, I'll say like a score draw, a 1-1. Neither of these teams are scoring yeah, two. I like that. One, one. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. All right. That wraps it up for us here on the podcast today. We'll be back uh, coming up to recap all of this. As always, like, subscribe. And uh, if you've got a new friend who just bought FIFA and needs a new, uh, needs a new podcast to listen to, send us this. Send them this one. We're going to consistently pump out content as much as we can. This is the, that's the Ghost Goal Podcast at Ghost Goal Pod on Instagram and Twitter at ASMoss92 for Alex's Instagram and Twitter at at Javier Rev9 for his Instagram and at Andrew Pissarro. And until next week. Bye.